This is our 21st session of Look at the Book on Romans 8, and we're going to focus on verse 28, and we'll probably do at least three sessions on this verse because it is one of the most popular and the most weighty and the most glorious verses in the chapter, and uh, it can be easily treated in a cavalier and superficial way, and we don't want that. So, Father, I pray for the weight of the glory and the seriousness of this verse with all of its true understanding to be ours now by the Spirit from this word in Jesus' name. Amen. We know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. I circled those because those are the pieces we're going to take. We'll, we'll do this one first. What does it mean? We know. And we'll do uh, this one second. They work together for good. What is that? And we'll do this one a third, no, no, this one, third. So one, two, three. And that's all we'll be able to get through in this session. So first, we know. And I think the reason it's good to just pause over this we know is to make the connection with the immediately preceding verses where the very same word was negated, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know, we don't know how to pray as we ought. So this fallen, finite, perplexing, sin-ridden, suffering-soaked, groaning world leaves us with many perplexities, things we just do not know, do not understand. And what Paul wants to say now, as he gets to verse 28, after saying we don't know, and the Holy Spirit helps us in our not knowing, there is something we do know. And so, there is something we, we do know. We do know that in all of our perplexities, in all of our groanings, and in all of our sufferings, if we love God, if we're Christians, everything, all the perplexities, work together for our good, for those who are called. So let's ask the question then, what is this good that we know is going to be brought about by all the things that happen to us? And I don't think we need to go any farther than this paragraph right here to get two solid answers to this word right here. Because the ground that follows in verse 29 says, everything's going to work for our good for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son. Everything's going to work for our good because God has predestined that it be so, namely, that we will be conformed to the image of his Son. So this is the first, this is the first good that I would, I would say is implied here. So the good 
is to be conformed to the image of the Son of God. We're going to be like him someday, both in our uh, glorious bodies and in our sinless conformity to his righteousness. And then keep reading, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers, and so he's going to be supreme and exalted among the brothers, and that's part of the good. It's not just uh, the fact that we're conformed to him, but being conformed to him, he then is preeminent among people who are like him, and we are in a position then to praise him as we ought, and that will satisfy our souls And then keep reading, and those whom he predestined, he also called, and those whom he called, he also justified, and those whom he justified, he also glorified. So the final good, the final good is our glorification. So that's my answer to the question, what good is meant here by everything works for our good? Everything's going to serve to bring us into conformity to Christ someday, infallibly, and everything's going to serve to bring us to our final glory where we share in the glory of the Son of God. We will be glorified with him, as verse 17 said. Last question, what is all things? All things work together for our Good. Well, let's just take a tour now of some of the all things in Paul, and we'll circle around and bring it back to this context. First, ponder Romans eleven thirty six. From him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever and ever. So the glory of God shines in the fact that everything that is, is from him and through him and to him. So there's, there's no doubt that all things, whether positive or negative, painful or pleasurable, are by his design and sustained by him and for his glory. So we, we don't need to fret that he's not able to do this. Or, as it says in Ephesians 1, 11 and 12, in him we have obtained an inheritance having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. So he is going to work all things according to the counsel of his will, and he's telling us in Romans eight twenty eight, this will is for our good. Now we come back to the paragraph following in Romans eight thirty one. What are the all things that God is going to work together for our good? What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not with him also give us all things? He's going to graciously give us all things. So everything we need in this life will be ours need in this life will be ours. And what does that include? That includes things like who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Tribulation? No, it won't. Distress? No, it won't. Persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, sword, none of those will separate us. And somebody might say, well, of course they won't separate us because you won't let them happen to us which is the opposite of what Paul says right here. As it is written, For your sake, O God, we are being killed all day long. These things are happening to believers. He says it again. We've seen this before, but I love it. Let's see it again. 
all things, 1 Corinthians 3.21, all things are yours, whether Paul or Paulus or Cephas or the world or life or death, notice, or death, death is yours. All things are yours, including death, the present, the future, all are yours, and you are Christ, and Christ is God. So death is yours. You might say, I don't want it, thank you very much. Oh, yes, you do. You want what God makes of it. God so controls life, so controls death, so controls the world and all the people in our lives that they will serve our ultimate good. Which means, now back in the context of Romans 8, that these sufferings, I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing to the glory that is going to be revealed to us. So not only are they not worth comparing, all these sufferings in Romans 8, 18 are going to serve this glory. They're going to be a means to the end of God doing good to us and conforming us to his son. And not only the sufferings, but everything, everything that we experience by way of our groaning. We who have, we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Holy Spirit groan inwardly. So all of our groanings are going to work together for our good. How can that be? He gives us a little glimpse back in chapter 5, doesn't he? Where he says, we rejoice in our sufferings. Well, if everything's working for our good, yes, this is possible. We rejoice. We exult in our sufferings. How? How can we view that? Knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope will not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts. So back here to Romans 8, 28. We know among all the things that, that we, we don't know, this we do know that everything that comes at us in this world, the painful and the pleasurable, are going to work together for our good, that is, for our conformity to Christ and for our sharing in his glory. And next time we'll look at how the love of God relates to this, because if this good is not God for us, that is, if God is not our good, we probably won't be peaceful about this promise.